Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, Interim Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the President and CEO of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice, in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Hi, Bill. Welcome back. Hi, Bobby. Great to join you for another podcast. Another like fun-filled week. Absolutely. Indeed. And lots of things going on, politics, and you just got back from a big conference, you know, really looking at the landscape of what's going on in healthcare. Do you want to start there and maybe tell us what you learned this past weekend and what conference you were at? Sure. Travel is back. Meetings are back. In-person yeah. meetings are back. This was the third meeting I was in in the last three weeks that was in person. So it's it's mm -hmm. good. It's fun. But there's a, it's made this time of year really busy. Um, the has. most recent one. Yeah, indeed. The most recent one that I was at was actually the Becker's CEOs and CFOs from healthcare, which was held last Monday through Thursday in Chicago. You know, as part of my new role, it's important to understand what's happening in healthcare kind of writ large so that we can be most effective in, in understanding the challenges and problems that we face collectively and how we can best help people address them, right, through, through that Mayo Clinic activity. So it's interesting. They do a great job there. They have C-level leadership from community-based hospitals, from a lot of major health systems from across the U.S. and even some academic centers as well. Because, you know, a lot of academic medical centers have actually acquired community-based hospitals, including in, in, in the Chicago area, right? So you have a lot now of these either large private hospitals, Catholic hospitals that are part of big systems or academics. So it makes you realize the diversity of what's out there. A couple of themes came through, though, really loud and clear from everybody. Well, what were some of those themes that you were hearing then? Yes, I think will really impact all of us. So one, across the board was just the challenges in the workforce. Everybody's having challenges with burnout. Mm -hmm. Everyone's having challenges with staffing and getting hospitals staffed, care centers staffed. I know the laboratories, we've experienced that. Many laboratories have, have experienced that. So it is not unique to labs. It is really a challenge across healthcare. And it's one that, as you and I have talked about, is not seen as having a, a, a short-term solution, something mm -hmm. that we're really gonna have to think about and the other was just the fact that many hospitals are really in tough financial straits. There was a lot of discussion of Kaiser, which is in the Northwest. Uh, it was really seen as sort of a shining example of the future of health systems and how they could be economically viable. They posted over a billion dollar loss, I think, in the, in the last quarter. So just a lot of concern. And it's really both sides, right? So on the one side, you don't have workforce. On the other side, you have hospitals that are financially stressed. And both are kind of long-term challenges that we're going to have to face here. So I think that's important for all of us to remember, because in the labs, we are, we're wrapped up in that, right? In terms of getting our workforce, getting access to the funds that we need to make our labs sustainable. We're going to have to be even more mindful of that than we have been. I feel like people in lab medicine are really good stewards, mm -hmm. but we'll have to continue to double down on that. The last thing I'll say was one observation, which I hadn't thought about before, which really struck me. And I can't even remember who it was. It was a leader of a, of a it might've been from Intermountain. It was a large, very well-recognized healthcare uh, network. And their CEO pointed out that unlike almost every other industry, innovation in medicine 
actually usually leads to increased costs, right? Yes. So we think of right. innovations as like cutting costs, but then I thought back to the investments we've had to make, like in digital pathology, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the challenges, and, and it, it is a bit daunting. You and I talked about how one of the two ways we'll get around all this is innovation, right? In terms of workforce challenges and things, but those innovations in healthcare often come with a, a steeper cost. So I just thought that was just a, one for an example of how we really had to be thinking about what's happening in our in healthcare world and how it's really impacting us in our daily lives in the lab. Yeah, you know, Bill, all those things you're saying, it brings a lot of ideas to mind. First of all, you're right. I look at what's happening in the microbiology world. We have some great innovations with using AI to interpret stains, uh, scanned slides so that you can find rare organisms, but scanning the slides, digitalizing them, using the AI, that's, that adds expense. It, you know, in fact, you've taken a rather cheap glass slide, but now by scanning it in, you're adding cost. So I think what we're going to have to do as laboratory leaders and pathologists is look at the big picture and say, thankfully, that technology will help us be more efficient. It'll help us find more positives and will probably allow us to use less personnel which I think is very important given that we have this staffing shortage. No one's job is at stake. In fact, we need all the people we can get and we don't have enough people. So if we can use artificial intelligence to help identify and make identify organisms, make our technologists work a little easier, well then at the end of it all, we should be more efficient and hopefully we'll start seeing cost savings. But you're right, the initial output of finances, purchasing, it's a, it's a big spend to implement this type of innovation. Yeah, and I think it's important. I mean, if there's one takeaway from today, it's like for anyone that's working in the lab, really understanding some of the challenges that your leadership is facing and then positioning yourself that you're really helping to address them. So a couple of things to your point. Number one, be thinking long-term to explain that it's actually, yes, there's an upfront investment that's needed, right? A peak, but then that should lead over time to more of a return. So it's not just another additive cost, right? So that's number one. Number two, to your point, the quicker you do that, that's one area of the hospital now that they won't have to worry as much about workforce, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, and then last but not least, there was a lot of discussion around provider fatigue and interacting with information. The frustrations with EHRs, interestingly, there was a, one of the sessions there that was really interesting was from Oracle. And just that and they bought in medical leadership to really help understand. And we've Oracle's worked a lot in healthcare, but more on the research side. But again, because there's so much frustration with so much data coming at providers when they're already stressed and overworked and everything else, right? So again, if you start to think about it in the labs, that's a today problem that if we put these technologies in place, we'll get an answer back to a provider quicker. We'll get a patient out of the hospital sooner. So really thinking about some of the things that your hospital leadership, your health system leadership, whoever the decision makers are, that show that you're engaged in the problem that you really want to help solve it, that will help them when you come to the table for resources, when resources, unfortunately, are going to be harder and harder to come by. Yeah, it really highlights the role of laboratory leaders. First of all, if we are bringing in new tests and we have all this innovative ideas and, and great new reports that might be coming out more rapidly, well, how are we part of the process to make sure that the rapid result actually leads to better patient care? And that 
requires a whole team of people to actually take that result and do something with it. If we're producing more information than ever before, how do we make sure that the end users of that information understand it? Yep. And that means that we have to produce interpretive guidelines and have reports that are easy to understand and maybe have comments on our reports that help explain what the result means. And then the last thing I think of is our role as laboratory leaders is what do we do as hospitals are facing losses and maybe there's closing of smaller centers? We have to think about, well, how do we still deliver healthcare to people that are kind of far away? And that gets back to something you and I have talked about before, which is at-home collection and at-home testing. It might not make sense for our patients to go to their local healthcare institution because it's uh, not there anymore. The nearest one might be an hour and a half away. Can we send them a collection device instead? These are all challenges we're going to be facing as laboratory leaders, but they're important for us to consider. And they're a little bit outside of what we might have thought about when we went to medical school and decided to go into residency or did our training in a laboratory science area. But this is the stuff that's really going to make a difference to our patients. I agree. And I think that make sure not just the report, but be there, right? reach out, talk, participate around, really establish those relationships that are so important. You know, it's interesting you bring up all the elements with remote care. One of the things I expected to hear more about than I did at that conference was, it, of course, it was during the midterm elections. I thought there'd be a lot of discussions about what, how the outcome of that might influence this. The reality is that there really wasn't that much. And I think that's because if you look at it, there are some major healthcare issues to be addressed here before the end of the year, including stuff with the labs you and I've talked about a lot, people generally agree it's more kind of how much will we be able to get into this end of year legislative package? There's gonna be a lot of things competing. You just mentioned a big one, virtual care, mm -hmm. right? And what's gonna happen with that? What happens with that will really set the stage for if the relaxation of regulations that was part of the uh, public health emergency are now codified into law, again, it's gonna change a lot of stuff with the labs and home collections. So yeah, there's a lot. That's the other thing. It's, it's really very uncertain right now what's going to be happening here. And just like end of the year legislation, both from a legal perspective, what gets prioritized and from a funding perspective. And that's important for labs. Where is valid fall on that list of priorities from legislative topics? Mm -hmm. Really, it's important to FDA. Will it be important to Congress? And then we've talked about PAMA. And yet PAMA will be one of many, many things that are being, that healthcare organizations are asking for relief from, right? And so... And it just, it speaks to, and it, because the healthcare industry is so stressed, it's not really very much a partisan issue. It's really just where do we fall on the priorities? And so it's just going to be another thing to watch here going forward. Yeah, it really will be. Yeah, we have about a month and a half until the end of the year. And of course, some of that's holidays. So you could subtract some time from that. And we're going to have to keep a close eye and, and let our readers and listeners know about this, this omnibus spending bill that, you know, is going to fund the government. There could be a lot in it. There could be very little in it. All the things we've been talking about all year, like you said, Valid and Salsa and PAMA and Pago cuts and you name it. So we'll have to keep a close eye on this, but I think it's kind of still very uncertain. Yeah, all these stressors. And then you go back to that and if you really break it down, that was nothing we heard from Mr. Cook, who is a political pollster, very well known in D.C. He came and talked at our ACLA board when I was out there a couple of weeks ago. And really, if you break it down and look at what happens after an election, it's probably about two weeks. You know, so we say six weeks, but the reality is you have people. And then, of course, some of the some of the elections are still not resolved. It right. takes a couple of weeks to wash out. 
then you'll hit the Thanksgiving break, then you'll come back. I mean, you basically have a couple of weeks in December where all this stuff is going to get basically crunched and decided. It yeah, so we'll keep year. up to date on that and keep everyone up to date. And I think meanwhile, getting back to our first points, just the importance of laboratory leadership as we go forward with all the challenges being faced by healthcare, with virtual care and, and serving as leaders as we produce more information and incorporate innovation into our workflows, we have to be there. We have to be there as laboratory leaders, guiding this and being part of the team with our colleagues. Yeah, uh, that's, you can't say it better. And you just said it. We do, it just it does show there's a lot of stress and we need to stay engaged. Awesome. Well, we'll keep talking about that, Bill. Thanks again, as always. Oh, yeah. I always enjoy, I always enjoy catching up. <laughs> well, have a great week. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.